the most beautiful place in the world, where a Tar Heel blue sky blankets Murphy on its way to the Tennessee border. It's a long way from Raleigh and the Outer Banks, but we're living in Carolina too. In fact, you might call it Extreme Carolina. With more, here's Michael Borkman. Welcome, welcome to Extreme Carolina, the show that focuses on great people with great stories who prove in their everyday lives that anything is possible. We strive to bring you relatable life lessons from interesting and inspiring people as they live out their purpose on this earth. Get ready, folks, for some good news you can use. And today, we have on the show an amazing lady with some superior talent. Her name is Dr. Lois Frankel. And uh, Dr. Frankel is an executive coach and keynote speaker, but she's probably best known as the author, that's published author, of the best-selling business Bible for women. I like that title. And it is Nice Girls Don't Get the Corner Office. And she is in demand. I mean, we're blessed to have her here on Extreme Carolina because she's been on, on some great shows like Larry King Live. Tavis Smiley Show, Today Show 2020, and featured in People's Magazine, Wall Street Journal, USA Today. She is a world-renowned published author. Let's say welcome. Give her an extreme Carolina welcome to Dr. Lois Frank. Michael, thank you for that lovely introduction. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I tell you, we want to make sure we don't drop the ball because you are very, very a uh, super talented lady that we wanted to get it right. And so with that said, we want to dive right into it. And when I was looking at some of your bio, I, I, was, I, I wasn't taken back, but you said that in your house growing up, that dad, you know, said, no, nah, that's not what we want for you. And uh, your mother had other ideas. Yeah, I was, I was really <laughs> lucky. <laughs> Yeah, that uh, she really believed in you. And that's uh, so uh, did you get your stay to itness or your stick to itness from your mom or was it from your dad, even though dad was a little bit tough? You know, um, my, my dad actually wasn't tough. Uh, you would think he was by what by the fact that he thought women don't need an education. But he actually wasn't tough. He was the less tough of the two. And I, oh, yeah, really? and I think so. I think I got my stick to itiveness and any toughness I have from my mother, who was, um, she was a nurse and she mm-hmm. worked her way up in nursing into uh, uh, management positions. Nice. Yeah. So by the time she retired, she was uh, the director of a hospital. And so, so I had that as a, as a role model, somebody who, who didn't give up and who believed mm-hmm. in me. Nice. You know, that's so important, uh, Dr. Lois, is that having someone who believes in you. Because a lot of times, even though we look confident, we act confident, we don't really believe in ourselves. And uh, go ahead. Yeah, you know, and I think that's true, especially for women. You know, I know that that was mm-hmm. true for me. You know, I always say I'm a recovering nice girl. Um, <laughs> you know, you never quite get over it. Um, and so I, I think that's especially true for women who really don't believe. Um, 
that they have what it takes to achieve their goals. I'm not even going to say be successful because success is defined differently by everyone, but to achieve mm-hmm. your goals, whatever you want those to be. You are so, so right. And I tell you, remember I had told you uh, or shared with you that uh, my wife was, when I got the books in the mail, a book and tape, and, uh, and I wanted to really look at it, and she snatched it up. And I just, she just gave it to me like yesterday. I'm like, so uh, you just giving it to me? She said, well, you had to take it. <laughs> so, so she was, she really could not put it down. She loved it. She wanted me to tell you, thank you. And uh, I guess uh, we could put her in that category of a recovering nice girl because she owns her own business. She's the CEO of an accounting firm, does some amazing, amazing work. Shout out to her, a good plug. And uh, so she loved the book. She thought it was excellent. And she was surprised. She had never heard of it. And uh, I said, well, there's a lot of people had. But then there's a lot of people had. Speaking of people hearing about you, you have built a successful international recognized. So my wife been under a rock like some other people. But uh, you have built an international business. I bet you that was tough. You know, it was tough, especially in the beginning, um, mm-hmm. because I worked for Arco, the oil company, in human resources for mm-hmm. 10 years. And, you know, wow. my parents kept telling me, never leave that company. It's such a good company. They'll take good care <laughs> of you, right? You know, you know, they had that mentality from the Depression. And right. so when I went to leave, um, I didn't get a lot of support from them. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I remember my mother saying, you know, it makes my stomach turn to think of you as unemployed. And I thought, I'm not unemployed. I'm starting a business. And I I had two brothers Mm -hmm. that had their own businesses. So, um, so in the beginning, it was hard not having that kind of moral support. And, and certainly mm-hmm. I did it on a shoestring because my parents couldn't help me financially. They just weren't in that position. Right. Um, and I, mm-hmm. I remember taking a, a second mortgage out on my house at one point. Yeah, I think, you know what, if this doesn't work, um, I I guess I have to go back and work for someone else. But, you know, at about the two-year mark, and this is what I tell everybody who wants to be an entrepreneur, about at the two-year mark, it turned around. Um, Mm. And and that was really through grit and determination. And and, and by uh, building on the relationships I had in place. That's why I say to people, you know, when you need a relationship, it's too late to build it. So fortunately, I had a lot of good relationships from Arco and they paid off. That is nice. I I know I've heard that before, but the way you said it, it just kind of rings true. When you need a relationship, (laughs) it's too late and uh, to build it at that point. But now I want to back up just a little bit. Now, when you said that you went to undergrad and you were still working full time and uh, working on your master's as well as uh, your other and your doctoral program. So you were working full time. Yeah, I was working full time during my doctorate. Yeah, I was not during my undergrad. My mother, you know, I went to a a state school in New York, and it was relatively reasonable at the time, and my mother paid for it out of her nursing salary. And then I worked my way through my master's degree. 
um, at the college where mm-hmm. I got it. And then I worked full, I was working full time at ARCO when I got my PhD. So, so really my advanced degrees, I needed to figure out a way to get them, uh, without taking mm-hmm. anything out of my pocket. <laughs> <laughs> and so you did that by having a full time job. Uh, yeah, yeah. ARCO paid for my PhD. Nice. You know, see, I have a daughter right now that has a job out on the West Coast, and uh, she was so good at what she's doing that her firm is paying for her. Uh, I guess she's going for a doctorate. She says they're paying her. She already got her, her bachelor's degree, so now she's working on a master's and so forth. And uh, I'm so proud of her. And uh, I tell you, it's amazing that what women do they have the grit and determination to do it but a lot of times what you said earlier that belief in oneself now you haven't had that all along no i didn't have it all along i always say that i (laughs) that i was more fearless than smart you know it's like i I would just go in and i would start things and i would do things and I, i i i didn't know how they would turn out but I always felt mm-hmm. as if it was better to try something and fail at it than to necessarily not try it at all. But but it wasn't out right. of confidence that I was doing it. It was more out of the need to, I think, at the need to achieve. Um, you know, mm-hmm. would I call myself a type A? I think at one point in my life I was probably a type A that was just driven to achieve for the sake of achieving. Um, mm-hmm. But it... Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I know it sounds like it's contradictory, but it wasn't confidence that drove me because I didn't feel as if I was confident. And maybe that's why I worked harder because I had to mm. prove myself. Yes, you did. And, you know, at that point, do you think that's when you were contemplating going into your own business, being an entrepreneur? Was it at that point that you had the confidence or were you still on that drive that I could do? Um, you know, it was it was something else entirely. It was that I wasn't happy working at Arco. Um, I just <laughs> felt like I was constrained all the time, and mm-hmm. I couldn't pick. You know, I was in my thirties, and I, I couldn't picture the rest of my life being constrained in a corporate environment. So I, I actually always wanted to be a psychologist. And so I got my PhD in counseling psychology. And when I left, I opened up a private practice of psychotherapy because I wanted to make mm-hmm. a difference. That's really what drove me was, was making a difference and not being constrained. Um, and again, you know, I, I think it was just kind of like more guts than smarts because I had no idea how I was going to do it. But, I, you know, I just figured I have to give this a try. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah, well, see that right there. You just nailed it because I don't know where I saw the figures, but somewhere I think there's like uh, 75, maybe 85 percent of everyone who has a job. They're right. not happy. They're not happy with their job and what they do instead of doing what you did is just go to the edge and jump off. And say, I'll figure it out. On yeah, yeah, that's about it. That's about it. <laughs> or or they just stay in that job. They just stay right there. You know, like your dad, your mom saying, 
how in the world can you even consider you got a good job you got benefits and everything and you uh, yeah <laughs> it, it, that was exactly the message and yeah i think you're right but it's but it's like i forgot who said it but you know one of the great poets said most men lead lives of quiet desperation uh, going, and the second Very part of that good. that most people don't know is going to their graves without ever finding the song in their heart. <laughs> you nailed another piece, and I've also heard that. Uh, what that is, God, I can't pick that guy's name, but he wrote a book on it, and he was talking about uh, dying with uh, with with most of everything that you got in you still in you. And he prefaced it by saying this, Dr. Lewis, he says, do you know where the most valuable real estate is? He asked that question. And uh, he was in front, he was doing a, a seminar somewhere and he had all kinds of answers, but nobody nailed it. He said, the most valuable real estate is the graveyard. Because if you go in the graveyard, you've got people right there that could have been another Dr. Lois Frankel, or could have been a Martin Luther King, or could have been uh, the the next uh, person to come up with the, the cure to cure to the cure to cure the COVID, uh, the pandemic, and all of that. All them people are in the ground, and it is so so sad because uh, they. When they die, they have that person sitting there looking at them dying, uh, uh, imaginary figure, saying, you left me here without giving me a chance to show you what I can do. So majority of the people listening to this podcast, you need to do like Lois Frankel did and says, hey, I'll figure it out on the way down because I'm not happy. I can't use my most my superpower. My superpower is inside of me and I'm not using it. Yeah, I'm pretty good at my job. But you say the key word, not happy. So uh, thank you so much. We appreciate that. Uh, you even got some awards along the way, uh, like Woman of the Year. You, you got that? Uh, you were commissioned on the Woman uh, from, of the Year? Yeah, from true? the uh, L.A. County um, Commission on Women, the Woman of the Year Award in Business and Industry. So I was really very fortunate with that. Yes, uh, I was honored by that. Mm. Mm. And uh, what was that thing about Maybelline? Is that like women with uh, the... Uh, Maybelline, yeah, it's Maybelline, New York, uh, and they are a makeup company. And I received their women who who women who empower girls through education award. That is fantastic. Let me ask you this: How and when did you decide? Even though you were psychologist type person, I mean, y'all sitting around in rooms figuring out what to write next. But anyway. What drove you to write the the famous book that you got now, Nice Girls? Uh, yeah, you know, um, it's interesting because I was working as a coach to primarily men at the time because that's who because uh, my clients were corporations. That's who paid me, not the individuals mm-hmm. I was coaching. So my my model was to go right. into corporations and coach executives. Okay. So, I, you know, who do they invest in? They invest in men. But I had one mm-hmm. woman that I was coaching, 
And she told me something that she did, and it was like so absurd. What it was, was she said to me, you know, I was invited to sit on the executive committee of my company, but I told them no. And I looked at her like incredulous. I said, you told them no? And she said, you know, Lois, I've been to those meetings, and they're a waste of time. And what popped out of my mouth was, honey, you got to quit being a girl. And at that moment, I thought about all the mistakes I saw women make because of how they were socialized. In this case, you have to be productive 100% of the time. And she was in Herndon, Virginia, and I live in Los Angeles. And on the way back from Herndon, Virginia, I outlined all of what I was calling quit being a girl. Because what I wanted was a book for the women who would never have coaches. I wanted them to coach themselves to success. And that's what made me write that book. I wanted it to be for women who may never be given a coach by their company or may never be able to afford a coach, but at least I could help them achieve their goals if they read my book. That is, I love that answer. That is fantastic. I mean, you're right. In the corporate world, and it's still going on to this day, women, nice girls don't get the corner office because they're too nice. They won't speak up and say what they need to say. Like that lady you talked about, she just didn't. She And she didn't do it because of her own self. But her own self had been programmed all the years yeah. before that. Of knowing that they would not let her do it. And uh, that's amazing. I love that answer. So you went ahead and wrote the book, Nice Girls Don't, uh, nice mm-hmm. Girls Don't Get the Corner Office. But you all, you also got a follow-up. Um, yeah, it was interesting because as soon as that hit the bestseller list, the publisher called me and said, okay, Lois, now we want another Nice Girls book. We want this one to be Nice Girls Don't Get Rich. And I said, but I'm not a financial planner. <laughs> and they said, yeah, but you know how women think and how they think about money. Mm-hmm. And you know, I thought about it for a minute. I thought, yeah, I do. And I, I guess I could think about all the mistakes women make with money. And so I did some interviews with um, uh, financial planners and people in finance. And it kind of confirmed a lot of what I already intuitively knew. And so that became Nice Girls mm-hmm. Don't Get Rich, 75 Avoidable Mistakes Women Make With Money. And and again, it's about our socialization. And it's really, we have a mixed relationship with money. We have a complex relationship with money. On the one hand, we know we have to earn it. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, we don't really understand about investing, growing, and the importance of wealth. Yes, one hundred percent agree with that. <laughs> now, did that? One yeah, that one did actually. Well? It made I forget which. <laughs> to tell you the truth, it's it's hard for me to remember. It was so long ago. It did make uh, one of the bestsellers. <laughs> I think it was a New York Times bestseller. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, the one that uh, I actually have in my hand right now, which is your latest offering. And uh, that one is Nice Girls Don't Speak Up or Stand Out. Now, did they had to they had to urge you to get that or beat you into writing that one or you just did it? No, I had to beat them into publishing it. Um, (laughs) I contacted them and I said, you know, the one thing that people are 
always asking me in keynotes is how do I say this or how do I say that? So I'd like to do, do a book about mm-hmm. communication. We didn't have the title for it at the time. I, or I had a working title. I forgot what right. I was even calling it. Oh, I know what I was calling it. I was calling it The Nice Girl's Guide to <laughs> Telling People to Go to Hell So They Look Forward to the Trip. So that was my working title for that book. And um, they liked the idea right away. And so I started writing it. And then I called them back and I said, you know, I can't write this book. And they and they said, why? I said, because it screams to be an audio book. I can write what I want to say, but it's not going to sound the same as if I record it and people can hear me giving the advice. And they said, okay, let's do, it's called the audio first book. Uh, let's put it out as audio first. Right. And so it came out in January of this year as an audio book and they wanted to keep it mm-hmm. as the nice girl series. So we came up with nice girls don't speak up or stand out and it'll be out June 28th as an ebook. But uh, frankly, I think the audio book is so much better because you can't, you can hear my inflections mm-hmm. and everything. Yes, yes. Like today, we hear your inflections. I mean, you're very, very, very passionate about this nice girl thing. And I love the fact that you're recovering. Uh, yeah, truly, it. truly. How <laughs> <laughs> many people you know personally uh, say, oh, girl, yeah, you're right. I agree with that 100%. Are people saying that to you, um, your close friends? You know, not my close friends. I can't say that. But I, but I do hear from, <laughs> you know, readers every practically every day that is somebody saying you know i read this book or that book and it really spoke to my heart it really changed my relationship with money it really changed how i worked um and so it's really heartwarming to get those messages from people i think my friends i think my friends just see me <laughs> as lois you know it's like oh that's just lois being lois again <laughs> Yeah, well, that's cool. I mean, because our real friends know us. They uh, yeah, you can't be a prophet us. in your own backyard, you know. <laughs> no, not like when you get to go across overseas or this and that. And you had told me early on we were trying to do this. You were trying to get to Australia, but this doggone pandemic. Oh, yeah. I was supposed to be there right now, as a matter of fact. I'm just looking at the date. And I should have been there now uh, doing speaking engagements and of course, all that got canceled. Yeah, doggone disease thing. Well, you know, I tell you what, I, I'm really enjoying this. We just t- look at the time, just got right on by. And I tell you what, I could go on. I got several other good questions, but we're running out of time. So, uh, because I want people to keep listening, you know, because if I go too long, they're like, uh, okay. Well, maybe you could invite me back. <laughs> we want them to keep listening. You took the words right out of my mouth, Dr. Lewis. We will be inviting you back down the road so that we can get a little bit deeper and un, you know, just un, uncover a little bit more of this stuff so that uh, people can better understand you and why you do what you do. So we just want to say thank you once again for being on our show today. It has been marvelous. So you, I you promise. promise thank you, Michael. Oh, it's been my pleasure. Ultimately, Extreme Carolina is committed to you, our listeners, to bring you leaders and newsmakers like Dr. Lois Frankel, uh, people that are passionate, purpose-driven, and making a difference. By listening to their stories, Extreme Carolina listeners will have an opportunity to refuel, reconnect, 
and get inspired by unlocking the power of the people. Drum roll right there. Power quote of the week is simply this, folks. Stop being average. You're not even good. You were born to be great. I dare you to be great. I challenge you to be great in every single thing that you do. That's <laughs> from a friend of mine, Eric T. E.T., uh, the hip-hop <laughs> guy that is amazing out in the world today. Thank you for that. And thank you, Lois. We appreciate you. God bless you. Peace. We'll see you down the road. We out.